If you are a businesswoman working to amplify your six and seven figure business from success to significance, then you know it's not just about the right strategies or the right tactics. It's more and more about high caliber people around you, your team, your collaborators, and advisors that can open doors for you and widen your reach. Welcome to your Circle of Influence podcast with your hosts, Dr. Monica Ogando and Amy Walker. Welcome everyone to your Circle of Influence podcast. I'm your co-host, Amy Walker. And I'm Dr. Monica Ogando. And we are so happy that you're here with us today. So marriage is what brings us together today (laughs) we are going to be talking about marriage and entrepreneurship and we're actually going to do two episodes dedicated to this so the first one is dedicated to all of you who are entrepreneurs but are not married to an entrepreneur and what are the blessings for that what are the challenges for that what are the you know the good things and the hard things and how do you navigate that relationship much more better so that's what we are talking about today and and i love this series because in the next one we're going to talk about being married to another entrepreneur even maybe doing business together i love this series because entrepreneurs are not necessarily always the easiest crowd to be married to um yeah like i sometimes i remember one time saying something about to my husband that, you know, such and such couple was a lot like him and me. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, oh, because, you know, he blah, 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 blah. And I can't even remember what I was saying, but he's like that poor woman being married to someone like me. I was like, I was thinking the exact opposite. I was thinking that poor man having to be married to someone just like me. So, you know, it is, um, it is a challenge to sometimes be married to someone that is your opposite, but Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Lord good that comes it, from it too. Oh my gosh, in so many ways, and yet it is the op the the. Um, it's not so much that opposites attract. It's not so much that. It's more like, um, having such an intimate relationship with someone who is your opposite in so many ways is like an exponential opportunity for growth. Because a lot of the things that I consider my husband being the opposite of me. Some of them, I'm like, I'm so glad you're not like me on this, right? Because it's, mm-hmm. then he catches a lot of the things that I might miss. But then there are some other things that I'm like, <laughs> why can't you be like me? <laughs> and I'm sure he feels the same way. You know, he's like, oh my gosh, if I just, if this woman does a sharp left on our regular drive one more time. And that, I don't mean like regular drive, driving. I mean, drive like the way you're walking along life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A plot twist. So in my um, marriage, this is, this is officially TMI territory. In my marriage, my husband, as you know, is a regular nine to five person. He leaves the house early in the morning, comes home in the evening because he's done with work. And once he's in the house, he's like off work mode. Mm-hmm. I going to talk about how was your day? It was great. Next, what's for dinner? You know what I mean? Like this. <laughs> There's nothing to discuss, you know, he's left it at work, right? Whereas for me, 
I'm always working, not because I'm in front of a computer or not because I'm talking to clients or vendors or, or collaborative partners, but because it's always on my mind, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so sometimes he'll say, for example, he doesn't anymore because, you know, we're, we're almost 10 years married now, but in the, in the beginning, he said, isn't there a time when you just don't think about this stuff? And I'm like, I don't know how not to, because it's such an indelible part of who I am mm-hmm. that to not be quote unquote thinking about work is kind of like to not be myself. And I think a lot of that has to do with working in your own zone of genius and working on something that you're very passionate about. I'm not sure that if I were an entrepreneur running, for example, a funeral home that I would have the same problem. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. But because my business is part of who I am and and my personality is so imbued in it, it's like, you know, even when I, I consider it play, not work. And I think, I think what happens in an entrepreneurial marriages, particularly when you're married to somebody who is not an entrepreneur, is that you get to redefine what work means. You know, we, we've, we've come from a generation and a century, quite honest, where you, you had it very compartmentalized, where it was like, this is work, and then sharp, you know, line drawn, and then this is family, or this is personal, or this is rest, or this is leisure, etc. And we've gone to a generation or a, a way of thinking in industry and in commerce, where work can very well be imbued into leisure, into relationships, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So in a way, it becomes harder to navigate. And in another way, it becomes easier to navigate. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, because we both run our business together now, but we did not in the beginning. And I, my husband didn't marry an entrepreneur, right? Like your husband married an entrepreneur. My husband married a young thing who didn't really know what she wanted to be or what our lives were going to look like because I was 20 when we got married. I didn't think about that. How old was I? I was 20. I was almost 21, but I, I mean, I was really young and we didn't really know what we wanted our lives to look like. We were both in school. We were kind of both working towards some goals, but there was a lot of vagueness in there. So when I married my husband, you know, he did not marry an entrepreneur. We were young. I was 20 years old. We didn't really know who we wanted to be in life. We just knew we wanted to do life together. And so um, me starting and being a struggling entrepreneur he was always supportive, but he really didn't understand it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I wasn't a successful entrepreneur from the get-go either. I was really a struggling entrepreneur who felt compelled that there was something here for me, but I was just trying to figure it out and make it work. Mm-hmm. And he tried to be supportive, but it was, you know, there was friction I felt like that came because of me mo- changing paths that we had been on this path together, um, you know, really focused around family and around faith and around school and kind of more traditional options in front of us. And then I took the, you know, the hard left, like he said, and I was like, no, I'm going to do something totally different. And in that I really started to grow. And I remember feeling like I was growing and I was having all these great experiences. And I felt like I couldn't get him to come with me, you know, like I really wanted him to see the world the way I was seeing it. And I wanted him to be reading the books that I was reading and studying the things that I was studying. And he just did not have any interest in it. And in the beginning, I felt like there was friction because of it. Mm -hmm. And I remember this turning point 
where I just realized that, you know, I had been looking at us as like, we had to, in order to be united, we had to go through life equally yoked, right? Like that's a biblical thing being equally yoked. And you look at the oxen and they have this, um, or cows, you know, they have this yoke around their necks. And if they're not going at the same pace and one's pulling or one's dragging, it creates friction between the two. And I had this realization that one day a visual popped into my mind that we could just be plants planted right next to each other, like two different plants. And I could grow as tall and as fast as I wanted to. And he could plant his roots as deep and as sturdy and solid as he wanted to. Mm -hmm. And that neither one of us was going to diminish the other, but that we were just different plants Mm -hmm. and we could grow according to the way that we were designed. And, um, and I remember like this, just peace that came and settled into our relationship when I stopped trying to make him grow like me. And I started just allowing him to grow like him. And it was so funny because I remember years later, he went to some, uh, he went to be a special training wood badge. That's what it was called. Wood badge for boy scout leaders. And he went to wood badge training and just came home so fired up and inspired and was telling me all these things that he'd been learning. And I was like, legit, that's what my company teaches, but okay. I'm so happy you got that from wood badge, (laughs) but it was the time and it was the place and it was the context that he needed and was ready for all of those, um, you know, all those options. Yeah. That's awesome. I think also it has helped me to understand, you know, we, we've talked about this in the past, in, in past episodes, when we talk about masculine and feminine energy, and it has helped me to understand that all human beings have, just like we have a left and a right hemisphere on our brains, we also all have masculine and feminine energy. And mm-hmm. navigating the ups and downs and the personality styles, communication styles, leadership styles, Uh, especially the differences between myself and my husband has also helped me to hone in on when is it that I lead with my feminine and when do I lead from my masculine and when is it called for to do that right because the masculine is very like linear and very uh, reason-based and um, has a plan and executes it etc etc there are some domains of our lives as a as a husband and wife team where Mm -hmm. I need to take the lead and he needs to sit back and be in the receptive um, role. Uh, For example, long-term money management and planning. That's my, that's my gig. That's my zone of genius, right? If if we were to leave it up to him just because, oh, because you're the man, because you're the husband, we would be in dire straits because he doesn't know anything about that, at least relative to me and my experience, because that was my first career out of college, right? And I've been, I've been investing in the market for decades. And so in the same way, if we were to rely on Monica to deal with the details of day-to-day money management, like when is this bill due? Again, your lights will get cut off because that's not my ministry. Um, and yeah. it doesn't mean that I'm irresponsible. It just means that that is not where I focus when, when it comes to money, right? And so understanding those differences like that, instead of making another person wrong, which was a, a temptation that we had for many years at the beginning of our marriage, like you're wrong for not doing it my way. Um, to your point about the plants growing differently at a different speed and they need different things to nurture them in order to grow in the way that mm-hmm. they need to. Then once we came to that piece, um, then it became, oh, now I'm curious. Now I'm explorative. Now I'm interested in finding out how you grow differently and how we can leverage that and how that can support me 
and how those differences can actually be a, a competitive advantage instead of being an anchor or being a dis or a liability. Yeah, I love it. Well, honestly, that's not just advice for working, you know, being married to an entrepreneur, non-entrepreneur pairing. That's just good advice for marriage. So let's talk about if the spouse that is a non-entrepreneur is truly unsupportive or does not want the entrepreneur spouse to pursue business growth, what advice do you give in that scenario? Oh, my favorite question of all time that to your point about applying everywhere, the, this, this question applies everywhere too, is to ask, what are you actually saying no to? Right? Because That's really good. Because sometimes it's not that I'm not saying it's not that I'm saying no to the business. It's not that I'm saying no to your, you fulfilling your potential or going after your dreams. If I'm your spouse and I love you, of course, I want you to grow as much as you can. But what I'm actually saying no to is being left behind or feeling inadequate or feeling like you're putting our financial stability in danger or feeling like um, I want you to go after your dreams, but I disagree that this is your dream, <laughs> right? It's like, no, I don't want you. If I were to come to my husband and say, I want to open a funeral home, he'd be like, why? <laughs> it has nothing <laughs> to do with being a business owner. It's like, I, I already know that your heart wouldn't be in it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so, so that would be the question number one that I would ask is, what are you actually saying no to? And this might be sometimes a, a little difficult to get through. It, it might require some digging because it might not necessarily be anything that the spouses have articulated to themselves, let alone each other. Right. Especially when it's like an unconscious fear. Yes. So there's a couple other things that I look at with this too. So one is, um, you know, when you've got a spouse that just isn't supportive, sometimes they, people that love us want to protect us and keep us safe. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes in their quest to keep us safe, they're trying to keep us from growth because the growth zone is a zone of falling flat on your face sometimes. Yeah. And I think that can be a motivating factor sometimes mm -hmm. that they're, they're trying to keep you from making bad decisions or they're afraid of the risk or things like that. And you, you've got to dig into it coming from a, a place in the conversation where it's not fueled by you're holding me back, you're stopping me from reaching my dreams, but like, hey, are you concerned about this? Is this part of why you feel like you can't support me in business? Are you nervous? Are you worried? Are you afraid? And then, you know, getting permission from that person, like I need you to support me in falling down and just be here for me when I get back up. And like you mentioned, like, what are they saying no to? Most people will let their spouse take risks, but when they don't, when you haven't had a clear conversation about the boundary of the risk, that's sometimes an issue too. Like yes. Stephen will support me in taking risks, but not as big of risks as I would like to take, right? Like he has a limit to how much he can risk and still feel safe. Yeah. And so we have to operate within that zone of Amy's desire for risk and change and Steven's need for safety and find where the like outer, where my inner boundary meets his outer boundary. And we play in that zone a lot. And the thing is, it's actually good for me. Like he, it keeps me from going so far crazy that I, that everything falls apart when I fail, like his mm -hmm. need for safety makes it so that my fails have a safety net below them. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, another thing that I, that I do think really comes into play is that some spouses just are insecure in themselves and they are not comfortable with you going after your greatness. They yeah. want you to be small so that they don't feel small. 
Mm-hmm. And that's the harder one to overcome. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think that it has to be a deal breaker for your marriage. I've seen people navigate this where they just have, um, an unspoken boundary for a while that they don't talk about business and what happens when the relationship has enough healthiness to it. Now, if your relationship is just broken in a lot of ways, that can be the needle that breaks or the straw that breaks the camel's back. Mm-hmm. Um, but if your relationship is healthy in other ways, that is oftentimes a temporary problem that when this, because we all go through seasons where we are less secure in who we are, right? Like we all go through seasons like that. And if this is a seasonal thing for your spouse and they, you know, find like maybe they're down in their career and then things change for them. And all of a sudden they don't feel that same need for you to be small so that they feel big. Or it could be that they see you get big and realize that it's actually makes their life better, more joyful, more happy. And so sometimes that takes time. And I think that you know, our culture around marriage right now is that we're in it hundred percent when it's good for us, but sometimes when it gets hard for us, it's like, we, we are quick to go, well, this is just not working. And I, um, like Monica, we were talking about the movie Sylvie's love. Yeah. And I didn't like it. Yep. (laughs) And I wanted to like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that concept of I can't be the woman of your dreams and be the woman of my dreams. I was like, bull crap. You can't, of course you can <laughs> like, but you just got to decide that you're making space for both. And so, yes. um, you know, I think that idea that, oh, if I'm going to pursue my dreams and you don't support them, then we just can't work. I don't agree with that. I think that there are certain contexts where it, that's true. Like if you've got an abusive dynamic in your relationship, that may be true, but is it because of the business or is it because of the abusive environment that you have? You know, I, I just think, and you would be surprised how much people, people support your dreams after they see some results. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, to this day, I don't think my husband can actually explain to you what his wife does for a living. (laughs) You know, but it's like, I just, I just know it works. I just know we're doing all right. <laughs> but he's proud of you. Right. Um, and so I think, I think there are some serious questions um, that, that the person who's asking about the non-supportive, non-entrepreneurial spouse mm-hmm. needs to ask of themselves. I'm going to assume that the people who are listening to this podcast are the entrepreneurial ones. Mm-hmm. And we're going to say this. Do you need, you have to be honest, do you need this person to approve, agree, understand, or value what you're doing so that you can be free to pursue your dreams? Because if you're looking for this person's validation, approval, agreement, understanding, or anything else like that, then how secure and certain and solid are you in your own Mm self-validation, self-approval, self-permission, et cetera? Yes. Okay. You're looking at it outside. I got to go on one little permission rant. Okay. Go for it. Children ask parents for permission. Spouses ask spouses for support. It is a very, very different conversation. Because if you ask your spouse for support and they say, I can't give that support, then you can have the start of a conversation of what would it take 
to get your support and why can't you give the support? And then you can actually talk about the real issues. If you say, do I have permission? And they say no, then all that leaves you space for is resentment, anger, frustration. It is not a positive, healthy way to do life and marriage. Yep. Yes, exactly. And we also have to get clear to your point about boundaries. You mentioned boundaries earlier. We also have to get clear about when you pull the marriage card. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are some issues where it's like, you can't always be ca- calling marriage every single time, pulling rank like this, because then it's kind of like the kid that cried, cried wolf, right? At some point, you, you have to understand that pulling the marriage card is for emergencies only, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So I'm going to give you a really simple, perfect example of this. I'm always traveling. I love to travel. If it was up to me, I would not even be a homeowner. I would just be like, you know, just going from pillar to post. And my husband is exactly the opposite. Mm-hmm. He wants to be rooted. He wants to be grounded. He wants that even if we're traveling, he wants a place to come home to, et cetera, et cetera. So with the global pandemic, it was like, for him, it was amazing because it was like, my wife is always home. This is, this is paradise, right? But my, my family of origin was having a lot of health issues. My father is dealing with stage four uh, leukemia. My sister's husband is end of life, um, facing a lot of end of life stuff with ALS, et cetera, et cetera. So I've had to travel a lot to Florida, even in the middle of a pandemic, to be with family. And there was one point where we didn't know if my brother was going to make it. And I said to my husband, you need to come with me to be with family and he was like ah but I was like Mm-mm, I call marriage mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was very happy that we did now I can't be pulling that card every single time no you're coming right. to Tahiti that's it I need a vacation with that no you can't pull marriage every single time but when I do pull it he's like oh this is serious because mm-hmm. she never does that you know what mm-hmm. I mean so you you have to give your own word and your own commitment that same level of gravitas so that the people around you can support you because if you're just jumping from this idea and that idea. And I was, it's, this is especially true with some of my clients that are network marketers that are jumping from company to company. And then when you come out with this next thing that you're doing, then people take you less and less seriously. And it's not because the business is wrong, because you're wrong or anything like that. It's just because they're expecting or, or wanting consistency and results from you and, and they haven't seen it. So you have to know, mm-hmm. number one, what that is, and number two, how to communicate it so that you can be at peace with yourself and so that you can address whatever those unspoken needs may be from your part. Yeah, well, and the other thing is when you're asking for that level of commitment from your partner, it's not used in manipulation, yeah. right? And so sometimes I think we, when, when we're pulling that marriage card too often, it's because we're using it to try to manipulate or control instead of just in, in all honesty, like, no, I really need you to be there. You yeah. know, this is a moment where I need you to show up for me. Um, and yeah, I, I think that you can absolutely be married to a non-entrepreneur, have a very happy marriage and have your spouse not get or understand your business and still be incredibly successful. Like it's okay. Um, I think sometimes we do comparison when it comes to marriage. And so I remember when Steven was not at all an entrepreneur, which is actually kind of funny because we, you know, we work together, we are entrepreneurs and in many ways he still doesn't get, um, he still doesn't think like an entrepreneur. He doesn't move like an entrepreneur, you know, even though we are, um, 
And it's okay. And I remember early in my career feeling like I would look at these entrepreneur couples who were so in sync and just, you know, they were on the same page or these spouses who were like the super supporter spouses and thinking, oh, I want that instead of looking at it and saying, oh, I'm so grateful for what I have. Mm-hmm. And let's build off of what I actually have instead of looking at things that like, you know, I mean, Steven's never going to want to be on stage with me. That's yeah. his worst nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, but he'll produce an event where I can be on stage and yeah. be totally fine with managing all those details. So I think you've just got to appreciate what you have and honor your spouse because every human being thrives under praise and appreciation and love and value. And every human being shrinks under criticism and, um, diminishing, you know, like if, if you're consistently looking at them and seeing the gap of where they're not enough, that is what they will always feel and how they will show up. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. And, uh, you know, it's a great opportunity to have some heart to heart conversations, allow yourself to be vulnerable, to ask for what you need, to stand for what you need and be okay. (laughs) Here's the thing that I had to come to peace with in my, in my own marriage. It is okay if you have a need and that person is unequipped or uninterested in giving it to you. Mm -hmm. Like you can literally go get your needs met elsewhere. That's why we have masterminds. It's why we have entrepreneur accountability groups. It's why we have, you know what I mean? Coaches and so forth, because a lot of what you need as an entrepreneur isn't available in your marriage. You have to go get, get it elsewhere. Yep. Yep. And never in the history of mankind have, uh, husband's been expected to fulfill every single emotional need of a woman until now. (laughs) That's why we had moms and sisters. And like, I mean, I'm, I'm so grateful that men have evolved in so many wonderful and beautiful ways and that they access, access their emotions better, but still you do have to take responsibility for your own emotional management. Um, so yeah, I'm with you on that. All right. So we appreciate you being on with us today. We hope that this has been an insightful discussion for you and that it's been uh, thought-provoking and helping you to identify maybe some areas that you and your spouse can grow closer together, giving you some prompts for discussions. We would love to hear from you. Um, make sure that you're following us on Clubhouse so that you can come and join our live discussions every Thursday afternoon, that you can ask questions, that you can engage with us and be a part of the live conversation. And then also make sure that you're following us on social media and leave us a comment. Give us a review. We love hearing from you. Thanks so much, everyone. Thanks, everybody.